There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday afternoon. It's about to get that much better as well. Big thanks to all the team at Starting Up back in the studio. Uh, we're out and about as we often are around about uh, this time each and every Saturday. You're listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to The Grill broadcasting live from Kickers down at Dubai Sport City. Uh, what have we got coming up for you between now and six o'clock? A whole host of sport, uh, both here regionally and also internationally. Who will finish top of the table at the ICC Cricket World Cup? Last games of the group stages underway this afternoon. We'll give you all the latest throughout the course of the next three hours. Uh, there are finals galore to look forward to as well. Brazil against Peru in the Copa America. They've got the USA against Netherlands in the FIFA Women's World Cup tomorrow. Uh, there's the third, fourth playoff taking place uh, this afternoon. So we'll be across all of those big stories and of course Africa Cup of Nations for you as well. Super Rugby final has just come to a conclusion. We'll have a look back at what was and bring you the result hot off the press. Also looking ahead to the Rugby Championship. Middle Saturday at Wimbledon. Well, though that phrase alone, Middle Saturday, is enough to get uh, Mark Archer, one of our panellists, very excited in just about any sport. So be keeping a close eye uh, on the courts up at SW19. Uh, the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open ongoing as well. One of our team are over there to give us all the latest. It's the start of the Tour de France. So as they start rumbling out, we'll start rumbling on. The latest from uh, NBA, the latest from all all-American sport, transfer business and rumours, and live guests galore. Basically, the message from us is, if you like your sport, keep it locked here on Dubai I want a 3.8. If you like it even more out and about in front of big screens and others, get ye to Dubai Sports City. Get ye to Kickers, a sports bar down here at Dubai Sports City where you can watch all the latest from a variety of different sports. It's on all the different screens down here. If you can't make it, though, we'll give you the numbers how next. You're listening to The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai I 103.8 app. Afternoon all, welcome to The Grill. This is Dubai I 103.8. Thanks for being with us. Uh, look, we're in uh, open invite. Get everyone down here. Good atmosphere building down here at Kickers at the moment. It's certainly summer, that's for sure. Uh, a lot of the lights are out down here in the main halls and the other auditoriums, but still a good crowd in appreciating the live sport that's taking place around the world. If you can't make it down here over the course of the next three hours, then do send us text messages, 4001, for your text. You can get in touch online at Dubai I 1038 FM or at Dubai I Sport. And you can also have your say by giving us a call, 04871 The team back in studio taking your calls throughout the course of the afternoon. If you are around and about, though, as I keep saying, uh, at Kickers DSC, that's at Kickers DSC. Get yourself down here. Uh, Kickers uh, can be found at Dubai Sports City. And during the ICC Cricket World Cup, some world-beating, uh, Cricket World Cup beating offers on food and beverage. So come on down and enjoy your sport. I am enjoying my sport in the presence of two sporting experts. It's an absolute w a pleasure to welcome the two M's, Eminem, to the stage this afternoon. Matt Fortune and Mark Archer alongside me. me. Fortune, plenty to look forward to throughout the course of the afternoon. You're absolutely right, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Long time since I last while, saw you. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, well, it's nice. It's a little bit hotter than when I last saw you, that's for sure. Um, yeah, today actually signals, and I hope my boss is not listening, the start of three weeks where I don't really do much work from about three o'clock onwards as I get my laptop top out and stream the Tour de France, oh, arguably course, yeah. the most beautiful sport to watch on television. 
It's on one of the televisions down here, so we'll keep you updated on that one. We've got football to talk about, rumours aplenty uh, in the transfer market, and much, much more. Mark Archer's also joined us. been a couple of weeks since Arch and I have crossed swords, uh, but for good reason as well. This time last week you were a part of the show, albeit from London. Yes, uh, ICC Cricket World Cup underway in the UK, and I was lucky enough to be at the home of cricket last week at Lords, watching Australia get a victory against New Zealand. Uh, great day at Lords, big crowd, full house there, and uh, plenty of colour there. And uh, the Aussies came through in the end. But it was a fascinating game uh, between two teams, two teams that have both been in the semi-final. So we're at the business end of the tournament now. Double header Saturday, Tom. Games 44 and 45. For, we're finally there. Semi-finals this week. All roads lead to the final next uh, Sunday at Lords, and of course, both these matches today have implications regarding the semi-finals. Two of the semi-finalists are in action: Australia and India, both in action today. Both teams want to finish first because I think the New Zealand team, who have come fourth and snuck into the semi-finals, both teams who finish first will get the chance to play them. So. Australia are ahead by one point. Should they win and should they defeat uh, South Africa, one of their arch rivals, later today in the late match, they will finish first and take on New Zealand. Should India win in the match they're taking on currently against uh, Sri Lanka in Leeds and Australia lose, they will go first and take on New Zealand. So New Zealand and England are the, are the two other teams in the semi-finals. They await to see who they play uh, during the week. But it's all fascinating times, the Cricket World Cup. We've finally got there after, after a month of action, and it's the business end today. Also, Super Rugby final just completed in a, a damp, slippery evening down in Christchurch. Benji's been working overtime. He's got the highlights for us. We'll bring bringing in them very shortly. That was the Crusaders taking on the Hague Irish Mile. Let's go back to the Cricket World Cup. Uh, your experiences down there, we spoke to you. We're very jealous because, obviously, um, it was Lord's home of cricket, sun-kissed in more ways than one. Beautiful playing conditions. A fascinating game as well because when we were talking to you, the wickets were falling early. It seemed like the Black Caps were on top. It seemed like they were going to continue their dominance that they'd had uh, during the Cricket World. Uh, the difference a week can make in the world of international cricket. Black Caps against Australia this time last week. Black Caps look almost guaranteed to finish top of the table, if not one or second. And then they had to sneak in and forth in the final part. I mean, what happened towards the latter end of that game? Because was it a question again of a good start from the Black Caps and then just letting Australia get away? We've seen a little bit of a trend over the World Cup. A lot of the teams that won the toss in the start opted to chase scores. And as the tournaments progressed, we've actually seen... Uh, wickets slightly deteriorate and become more difficult to bat on second so chasing scores in excess of 230, 240 is proven difficult and the day at Lords, New Zealand bowled really well um, that action packed day, Trent Bolt got a hat trick, a couple of amazing catches I don't know if you saw Martin Guptill's yeah. catch he did, New Zealand dropped a couple of catches early um, Guptill himself and then took an absolute screamer off Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Smith was batting, he hooked a, full, a short pitch ball to short, short fine leg and he stuck out a hand behind him to catch of the tournament by far so they actually bowled and fielded really well and restricted Australia to a score of around 240 which you thought on paper at the halfway stage they had a really good chance of chasing down a lot was always going to depend on Kane Williamson who's been the rock of the New Zealand uh, batting lineup so far but the pitch was turning um, Australia bowled Steve Smith they bowled Aaron Finch they bowled um, everyone got a bowl almost there uh, their slower bowls. The, ball, the ball was gripping. It wasn't a great cricket wicket, and New Zealand stumbled their way through to about 150 in the end and weren't really in the race of chasing their runs. We've seen that trend almost through the last couple of weeks of the World Cup here. Teams have won the toss, wanted to bat first, get a score on the board, and it's been very difficult to chase down. All the talk pre-tournament was about team scoring in excess of 300, in excess of 350. England were talking about scoring 400 matches. It just hasn't panned out that way. So we've seen teams bat first, Old school cricket, old school 50 over cricket, get runs on the board, 
put pressure on on the opposition in the second innings, and that's tend to be the winning formula in the, in the back end of the tournament. So it will be interesting to see what happens today. I will give you a bit of a bit of an update um, on the match. The first match of two today is at in Leeds. It's India, of course. Six wins from their eight matches, one one no result, and they're taking on Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka won the toss, elected to bat first, and Sri Lanka are currently 104 for four after 25 of their 50 overs. Angelo Matthews, 27, not out. Lahiri Thurman, 23, not out. Um, India really want to win, I think, to finish first. I think both teams, India and Australia, would love to play New Zealand probably in that um, in that in that first uh, second semi-final. And so, big match for India, uh, but Sri Lanka struggling really, 104 for four after 25 of those 50 overs. But it's been a fascinating week. We saw, you know, we talked about at the start of the tournament, Tom, the fourth likely semi-finalist. It's the way it's panned out, but Shri uh, Pakistan, in that amazing match yesterday, had to win by over 300 runs. Never really going to feasibly do that to win on net run rate. And then there's been accusations, well, a few digs today and saying it should never be decided by net run rate. The Pakistanis, of course, saying it should be decided by the head-to-head -head result between the two teams in the Cup. Of course, Pakistan beat New Zealand, so of course they're going to say that, and they would have been the fourth semi-finalist. So they found some form later in the tournament, put some pressure on. It's been, look, I, I think all in all, it's been, it's been a good World Cup. Let's, let's hope the last week of it lives up to it and really takes it with four really fascinating semi-finals to look forward to. Arch, I'd like to ask you, I'm a casual observer of cricket. I'm a keen fan of the Test game. I'm going back to, to England for the Ashes in September. But even then, I found this tournament has gone on for a very, very, very long time. I've struggled to kind of maintain interest in, in the journey of a lot of these teams. So obviously, I'm right in thinking it's the first time that they put one game per day and stretch out into one group phase. Is that correct? How do you feel about that? Do you think it's maybe taken a little bit of impact of these games when it takes so long for the impact of results to take an impact on other teams? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of factors in that. It's the first 10 team World Cup since 1992. So it's a total round robin. So it's 45 matches of every team playing each other. Uh, the reason that they're only having two, two games in a day on Saturdays is purely down to television. You know, it's a, it's a commercial event. It funds the rest of the world of cricket. And the only way that, that television rights holders really extract value from that is not having two teams, four teams play at once during the conflicting time. So today we see a 1.30 start, the India-Sri uh, Lankan match, and at 4.30 we see Australia taking South Africa. You know, four big teams. So it's very hard to split that from a television standpoint. So interesting what you say, though, and I'll, and I'll, bring, I'll bring this point to fact. Do you know what was the biggest sport event on last weekend when I was, when I was back home? It wasn't the Cricket World Cup. That, that seemed to sort of be... The, the underlying current, Misa, um, Misa, Misa, the underlying Misa. current of, of, Misa, Misa, Misa. of not the most popular Misa, thing happening. Tommy, exactly. So the lionesses had seemed to capture the the, the the attention of the nation back week, and that that was what the, the I want to say the general population were talking about. The the, the team that I think they were in the quarterfinal stage at that stage a week ago, and about to play play a semi-final uh, as they did during the week and, and lost. That, that is sort of captured front and back page attention. I think it will swing this week. Obviously, Wimbledon started. It's a busy time in the UK. But I think England now, and England was struggling a week ago. They mm. need to win three matches in a row, to, or two matches against India and against New Zealand to really guarantee a semi-final spot. I think the attention will turn towards England this week. That Cricket fever will hit. And a big, big decision by Sky TV, who have the exclusive rights. The satellite yeah. TV station in the last 24 hours have said, if England make the final it would be free to air. They're going to give the rights away to, I guess, the BBC and ITV to show the match, um, and then you'll get multiple millions, you know, tens of millions of people watching if England are in the final. So that's good for the game. A very good decision by, by Sky, showing a bit of generosity there. So for the, for the sake of the home country, England, playing in the home World Cup, you know, 
maybe they will make it into that final. But do you think it's because the, the Lioness, of course, have captured the attention, right? More than 12 million people, I think, watched that semi-final game. But because the narrative has changed so quickly with the Lionesses, you've been able to follow things very, very quickly. Looking back to England, the Bairstow controversy, it was at least five, six days before he was then able to, to restart the news cycle with his performance in the following game. So I feel like there's just been such a lag for respective nations to follow how their team are doing, whereas with the World Cup, the Football World Cup, it happens so quickly, things change so much more quickly. Yeah, look, it's just the nature. There's, there's a bunch of factors here, you know, obviously, travel time practice time pitch preparation they have the teams have to play uh, nine matches so in a football world cup you, you play three and you might be out mm. and so 48 team world cup or 32 team world cup there's a 10 team world cup so there's just different factors it's, it's, it's comparing apples as to oranges really in terms of playing matches multiple ma you know sometimes in a world cup you get two if not three matches in a day um, because of the, the vast ge geographical spread and the tv times overlap a football match takes two hours a one-day cricket match takes seven so just given those factors, just the reason it works out the way it is. I'm not a massive fan of a 10-team World Cup. I would like it to be in a 12-team World Cup, which would have dictated a slightly different format and maybe a, a, a tweaking of the, of, the, of the way that the, the, the fixtures would come together. But it is what it is. It's 10 teams. They play nine matches each, which in some ways is quite a fair. The top four teams should come through, and the top four teams you know, have, have made the semifinals. Yeah, that's a good point. The actual the best four, ultimately, when they play everybody, do rise to the top. And so when it gets to the business end of a tournament, you're right, it's the thing that everybody will tune in for, even the casual observers will be in for that. And if it's the best four teams, I guess that's probably for the best. Pakistan might have something to say about that. Fair. Anyway, we will continue <laughs> this conversation about all things ICC Cricket World Cup in a few moments' time. Got to take a short break when we come back. Do send us your thoughts in the meantime. Listen, uh, we're taking all your calls, all your thoughts. Text now on 4001 ICC Cricket World Cup. Five games remaining. How's it been for you? You're listening to The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai i 103.8 app. We'll have a little conversation about all things, all things ICC Cricket World Cup. Five games remaining. Uh, two of those five games underway as we speak. Mark Archer, bring us up to date. Sorry, not two of them, one of them. Yeah, the first of two matches today. It's double header Saturday. Matches 44 and 45 of the ICC World Cup. Early match is taking place in Headingley, Leeds. It's Sri Lanka taking on India. India wanting to win this match and try and jump above Australia to finish first, which will mean they'll play New Zealand in the semi-final during the week. Uh, Sri Lanka won the toss, elected to bat first, which has been the trend in the last couple of weeks of the World Cup. They're 117 for four after 27 of their 50 overs. Angelo Matthews leading the way, 36 not out. Uh, Lirahu Thiraman is 26 not out as well. So these two have put a bit of a partnership together, a valuable partnership for Sri Lanka of 62 runs. 117 for four after 27 of their 50 overs. Second match today, Old Trafford, Manchester. That's Australia taking on South Africa, 4.30 UAT time. That will kick off. Let's get an update from the Tour de France. That started for us. Stage one, fairly flat. Uh, yeah, fairly flat, Tom. There's a couple of interesting uh, parts of this race. Cobbled riding, that's always the thing that really gets people excited because it can be the real... In fact, it's us looking at the TV now, it started, and you'll notice the nerves that go through the riders and the amount of tension that will be in their arms gripping on. As it is, we're about 25 kilometres in, started about half past two. There's a small breakaway. This uh, stage, known as the Grand Depart, Anybody who's been in Yorkshire over the last few years will know that the first stage of the Tour de France tends to take place outside of France itself, which is a great way of, of spreading the race around Europe. So this one starts in Belgium, and sure enough, there's a couple of Belgian riders in that breakaway. It won't have 
too much impact. It's a nice flat stage. Expect all of the riders to, to get through safely and finish in about three hours with a nice sprint finish. Petra Kvitova has just won her latest game at Wimbledon as well. Uh, she was taking on Lynette, uh, has gone through in straight sets there. Big day at um, uh, uh, Wimbledon with Andy Murray returning uh, to the court for his second match in the men's doubles. Uh, that one will be on court two in just a few moments' time. A little later on, uh, you've got Murray and Serena Williams in the mixed doubles as well. Plus, lest we forget, all the big names and big guns in the world of tennis taking to centre court, uh, number one court, and others around. just want to go back to the, um, the cricket, if I can, quickly, Archie, because a couple of things that I just wanted to pick up on from what you were saying there. Uh, one of them being uh, run rates. Uh, let's talk run rates if we can for a moment. Uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want listeners to be turning off straight away because obviously it's not exactly uh, rock and roll at uh, this subject. But on that, on that subject of run rates, uh, in terms of um, the, the, the qualification process, is, is there a little argument to have that sort of whoever has won against whoever in the round robins gets the benefits? Only reason I ask is a couple of occasions we've seen teams, um, rather than going for the result in their final games or their penultimate games in the group stages uh, if things have got a little out of hand said just protecting their run rates rather than going for the wins I don't know if you India can India against England yeah I mean whether, whether you can call it protecting your run New rates New Zealand against England yeah I mean the debate's out isn't it and, and essentially what happens is the tiebreaker for the semi-finalists has come down to net run rate so Pakistan having to win their last match had to win by an excess of 310 runs or 308 runs which was almost impossible they had to score 400 and bowl uh, Bangladesh out for somewhere around 100 under 100 to do that and that would have put them even on points with New Zealand and that might have improved the net run rate the problem was though Pakistan's run rate was so bad because they got absolutely blown away by the West Indies earlier in the event they lost so badly that their net run rate was in such a bad position they could never pick up the slack and get back into it uh, Mickey Arthur had quite a lot to say about this yesterday in his final press conference, um, saying that maybe a better way of deciding it was the head-to-head -head result. Well, it's easy to say it after the fact. All the teams go into the World Cup knowing what the, the net run rate decision is. So if you have a chance to put your foot on the throat and win by a large margin early in the event, you do so, knowing that net run rates is, is a tiebreaker. But this is what Mickey Arthur, the Pakistan coach, had to say about net run rates in his pre press conference, final press conference of the World Cup yesterday. Sheer grit, determination that they've showed through this tournament, through their training, through their preparation has been a credit to, to Pakistan cricket. A lot of the time you guys don't see what goes on in the dressing room. You don't see all the time that goes on in the next session. The desire that these guys have got to improve and become the best they can be, the passion they have for their country is something that is second to none. So Pakistan cricket is in, is in safe hands with these young players and uh, I'm sure they'll go from strength to strength. I must say, guys, that um, I'd just like to credit the captain, Safraz, after what he was exposed to after the Indian game was, was atrocious as a, as a Pakistan cr uh, cricket captain, as any captain of any cricket team. And the way he held his composure, the way he led from the front, the way his work ethic never, ever, ch ever, ever changed, the more determined he got through the tournament, I think he, he's been an inspiration to that dressing room. I think Safras deserves a lot of credit for this as well. But yeah, I suppose Pakistan would be one of those teams we were looking at. Well, they were the ones that were the biggest sort of grumble about run rate because, as you pointed out just a little earlier on in the show, they beat New Zealand in the group stages, uh, beat England in the group stages as well. And yet they're, they're the sort of two teams who have benefited from the run rate over them. Yeah, it's been a funny old tournament, isn't it? Because of the weather early in the event, 
all the teams had weather-affected matches. The two teams that didn't have a, 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 a rained-off match or a no result was Australia and England. Now, should it, if England had a rained-off match against one of the, say, lesser teams and not taken a point, then England were right in the mix also on net run rate. And, they, and, and, and if, like some of the teams had three matches affected um, by, by no results. Should, it, should the weather for England have fallen foul of that or, or Australia... That'd be right in the mix, and net run rate would have become a really interesting factor in their equations to make the semi-final as well. So some teams have more luck than others, but at the end of the day, again, as we said at the top of the show, every team plays each other one scheduled. It's a 10-team event. They play nine matches. The best four teams have got to the finals, uh, semi-finals. You can, you can count your arguments for that. And, that, and so everyone gets a fair crack at the whip, I think. So let's wait and see what happens, what the next week week, week brings. But, let's yeah, four teams are in those semifinals. Let's get the thoughts of a man in the know. First guest of the afternoon has joined us. Uh, he is uh, one of the motivators at It's Just Cricket right here in the UAE. No stranger uh, to the show. It's great to have uh, Sam Charlie join us live on the show. Sam, good to have you on board. Thanks for having us. All good? Yeah, great. great. How's, how's the season been, all right? Yeah, fantastic season. Longest season that we've had this year um, in the last 10 years that I've been here. So, uh, fantastic season, more and more kids playing and uh, excited. And obviously the World Cup at the end of the season, or the Dubai season, UA season, has just picked up that interest even more. So, going into the summer has been fantastic. You, Brad, and the rest of the team get less time off than Premier League players, don't you? Because you've gone from your regular uh, uh, courses throughout the, throughout the year to the summer camps now as well. Are they underway already? Yeah, summer camp started um, last week, so for some of the schools that were off already last week, and then it really kicks in next week. So it's a 38-week programme, then a six-week programme over the summer. Um, there's not a lot of room for a holiday anymore. We will talk more about, uh, well, we'll look back at the year that was for Is Just Cricket and talk about what you've got over the summer and uh, the rest of the year. But obviously you mentioned there the ICC Cricket World Cup, uh, something of a blessing for cricket coaches here as all your students will be looking to their sort of heroes uh, at the ICC Cricket World Cup. Uh, as we come to the final group stage games, how's it been for you? Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been fantastic. I caught the four, uh, first four games. Um, I was over there in the UK. Um, fantastic start to the, the, the tournament. Obviously, a little bit of rain um, has affected quite a lot um, early on, um, and I think it's picked up. What I think really sort of stood out for me this year is that um, you've needed to watch every game to sort of know what's going on. You, there's not been a many games that you could say, oh, I'm not, not first in watching it. It's been fantastic to watch the whole thing and, and all, all games, every, every game. Um, Question to both of you, to you and Arch as well. We talked about run rates there, uh, and if that hasn't made everyone turn off, then maybe this one will as well. Because I want to talk uh, from run rates to rest days as well. A bit of a grumble I had earlier on in the tournament was the fact that they'd gone with the policy of one game a day. Uh, if it was raining as it was uh, towards the start of the tournament, we lost quite a lot of cricket. Thankfully, that has changed a little bit. Would it not have benefited the tournament to have a couple of rest days uh, within the week, or certainly done sort of double-headers, double-header games during the week, uh, rather than just on a Saturday? Yeah, yeah I get the, the, the TV sponsorship deals, etc. The only reason I ask this is that you look at the jam-packed schedule we've had throughout the tournament thus far, then we look at what's coming over the, re the next week or so. Oh, look at that, the semi-finals have got a rest day. Oh, and the finals got a rest day as well. <laughs> 
Well, the th thing was, young Matt Fortune started the show by saying, hasn't this World Cup dragged on for five weeks already? You throw in rest days, it's a three-month World Cup then, and we probably would have lost interest in, in mid-August. Not if you double up the games or play three games a day. No, but the, re the reason they're not playing two games or three games a day is because the TV rights holders um, have to pay a lot of money, and uh, they, have to, they want to split it. It's not like a football match where it's two hours, it's seven hours or eight hours, so you have to have a 1.30 start and then a day-night match. And it's, pure, it's purely economics. And that's really the reason why. I, I get the point that maybe you can try and compact it more. Um, and there's a couple of days now between uh, the first semi-final, I think it's on Tuesday. So the teams do get a bit more preparation the final on Sunday, next well, Sunday. That's what I find weird is the fact that England, who what, their last game was uh, against New Zealand on Tuesday? Uh, that Tuesday, wasn't it? was correct. They played, no, Wednesday, I think. Wednesday? No, I think it was Tuesday. Might have been Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. They're not playing another game until next Thursday. Yeah, they've, so they've, they've, got, they've got a proper time to recover. gone home, they'll put, put, put it on the slippers, watch a bit of, bit, bit of sport on the telly, and they'll be fine. But, um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, no, I think also you've got to consider all the other sports that are on this summer. Wimbledon's just kicked off. Yeah. Um, we've got the World Cup coming up soon, the Rugby World Cup and things like that. They didn't have a, a huge window to play with. Obviously, IPL, there's a certain amount of time you have to wait before you can get started. And it, it, they haven't had a lot of time to play with themselves. So. I wonder whether that has shot... I mean, I, I use the phrase shot in the foot, not that it has. India have made it through to the semi-finals and they look like one of the strongest teams in the tournament. But they've had a couple of wobbles along the way. They've not been the imperious, convincing India we expected coming into the tournament. Much can, the same can be said for England as well. But the reason that they started 15, later, 15 days later than everyone else because of the late finish to the IPL season has meant that they've had you know, three games in quick succession towards the end of the qualifiers as well. well I don't know if that's just been too much cricket for them. Uh, potentially, I, I certainly don't think they're at their best. Um, I think they've played well, but I don't think they're at their best by any means. Um, and maybe it will just catch up with them by the end of the tournament. Um, maybe they'll get through like, like they always usually do. So we know who's in the semi-finals now. Uh, Australia, India, England and New Zealand. Of those four teams, Sam Charlie, who has really caught your eye during this tournament? Who do you see raising the trophy next Sunday? I've got to be honest, I think it's between England and Australia. I, think, um, I don't think in India have been as in form as they could have been. Um, I think England batting first against any side uh, on their day can, can take it home. And Australia, Stark has been just fantastic and they've scored runs. Smith hasn't really got going. If he, if he gets going, then potentially they can win it as well. Can we have a word about um, uh, New Zealand cricket, if that's all right, with you, Archie Boy? Because I was listening to Ian Smith on commentary uh, in the last game that New Zealand played uh, against England. Um, very critical, very critical of New Zealand cricket in many ways and said that they sort of flattered to deceive in so many ways throughout this tournament. Um, other than the two class players they have at three and four who seem to be their run machines. But without them... Are there problems in New Zealand cricket at the moment, the structure of that team? I wouldn't say... I, I think you can point to all the teams and say there's definitely strengths and definitely some weaknesses in, in, all, the, all, the, in all the sides. And that's why no team's undefeated. I think Australia have been the most consistent team throughout the World Cup, but that, even they've had a loss. England, you know, three losses. New Zealand, three losses. You should argue that none of those two teams with three losses in the World Cup should actually deserve to win the World Cup at the end of the day. They shouldn't after losing to three, three matches. New Zealand, yeah, they have weaknesses. They, for me, they, they, at the start of the tournament, I always said they lack a bit of power. Power with the batting, power with the bowling. Kane Williamson is a craftsman. He, he is a fine player. 
one of the, arguably one of the three best players in the tournament. He's scored runs under pressure. He's scored runs in second innings when they're chasing totals. He's had to hold his composure. And really difficult. It's, it's much more difficult chasing runs to win a match and doing it that way, scoring 100 rather than, rather than setting up a match in the first innings of, a, of, of, a one, of, a, of an ODI. It's much, much harder when you've got scoreboard pressure, you've got wickets going down, you, you, you've got lots of factors and you always think that there's such a short space of time to get the runs and, you, and you're always under sort of your own mental pressure to deal with that. Williamson aside, the top order's been dreadful. Um, a couple of guys in the middle order have stood up at different times. Colin de Gramholm's been good for, for, when he's had a chance. Jimmy Neesham's been good when he's had a chance. And then they lack a bit of power with the ball. With the ball. For New Zealand to win matches, they need to be low scoring between under 250 and they need to ball, they need sort of swing bowling conditions. It needs to be overcast, the wicket needs to be holding. So Trent Bolt and Tim Southie, Colin de Granholm comes in and all the seamers tend to nip it around a bit. But they're not going to blow teams away with the ball, albeit Trent Bolt got a wonderful hat-trick at Lords last week at the back end. And when the ball's swinging, he's as good a bowler in world cricket. But they probably lack a fifth bowler and they probably lack enough power players around Kane Williamson to really do some damage late into the event. But that being said, a semi-final is a one-off match. You get you get favourable conditions, and, yeah. that, and if, if it does suit New Zealand to play in New Zealand-type conditions, they beat India in the warm-up match relatively convincingly. But they got hammered by the West Indies in a high-scoring match, so you can see where they fit in. They're not going to win a game over 300, but if it's a 250-type game and Williamson, one of the batsmen of the tournament, gets in, you know it's game on. England will play their semi-finals out at Edgbaston. Uh, that's where obviously England played uh, against India. Virat Kohli very critical of the Edgbaston short boundaries after that game as well. How crucial do you think, Sam Charlie, the toss is going to be in these and the decision of these semi-finals? Well, I think a lot's been talked about the the toss and how critical it's going to be. But Edgbaston's got nine days rest between two games, so if you can't prepare a good deck in nine days then there's an issue so I, I think that will be less and less a factor in, in that semi-final uh, maybe not so much in the uh, Old Trafford fi- uh, semi-final so but yeah the, with the nine day pre- preparation time I'm not so sure it's that important obviously we've seen 10.30 starts batting first and the ball dying down a little bit it's always proven to, to be better to be batting first and I think most teams would choose to so it is important but with a deck that's got nine days, I think uh, slightly different. And is it, I mean, is, is there anything in that? It's a phrase that we're hearing a lot. You know, it's come down. It's knockout cricket now. It's not round robin cricket. It's down to, it's down to the team on the day. And as you mentioned, that any, there have been upsets in this tournament. There have been, uh, there have been defeats for all of the teams that have taken a part in it as well. Is it, is it a completely different mindset when you get to knockout cricket? Yeah, I think so. And I think what what happens at knockout cricket is the big players and the big teams will really step up. For India, the likes of uh, Rohit Sharma, who's been wonderful in the tournament, and Virat Kohli, expect them to step up in an extra gear now. And, and particularly Kohli, he loves a good confrontation. So those two guys are, are big name players for India. They'll now come into the four. For Australia, Warner, Finch, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark. Those guys now, will, will, will the senior players, will now take a front foot, you know, big step forward and be the main guys. Um, you know, we look through the New Zealand, Kane Williamson, who's had a great tournament. He is still the key guy. He's, he's carrying the, the burden on his shoulders there. And for England, you look at England, Jason Roy, coming back into the team, had just gave them the momentum. When he's out of the team, it seems to be a different team. It seems to take the pressure off Johnny Bairstow, who's been in wonderful form. Obviously, he needs the likes of Michael Vaughan to wind him up from the commentary box. He needs so, Jason Roy down the other end as well. Yeah, so the, the big-name guys there, you know, Ben Stokes in the middle order is still, for me, pound for pound across all different formats the best cricketer in world cricket across all three formats bat with ball big name players Joffre Arch has been 
brilliant. I think still, for me, England is still the best balanced team and have all the bases covered. Again, the question mark I had at the start of the tournament is how they're going to deal with home expectations, how are they going to deal with the pressure. They haven't been good in pressure situations apart from the two last must-win matches. So maybe that must-win mentality that they've had, had to have now to get to the semi-finals is going to put them in good stead. But the pressure for England will be more mental as much sort of technical come, come semi-final week. Sam, you played some great level cricket uh, back in the UK as well. We talk a lot about the conditions. It's been a bit of a, a, a strange old summer down there as well with the deluge of water they had at the beginning of the tournament and then, of course, the beautiful weather they've had since, which has really dried out those decks. And we've seen, as Arch mentioned a little earlier on, a sort of change in the playing conditions where we thought at the beginning of the tournament the quicks were going to do the damage, that your Lockie Ferguson, your, 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 your Jofra Archers, your Mitchell Starts were the ones that were sort of pulling up roots then. Towards the latter part of it, it's been taking pace off the ball. It's been the sort of the slow bouncers, the slow Yorkers as well, which have really made the difference. Is that is that going to play a, a part? Do you think in the latter stages, or again, will it depend on the conditions of the day? Yeah, I suppose so. With with the decks getting more and more tired, um, I think it will play a big difference to slower balls. We've seen in the last certainly the last four or five games, slower balls a lot more effective. Cutters. A um, bit of swing in there as well, but it, it seems to be the pace on the ball that's that's causing the issue. You see in um, England back the other day, got off to an absolute rocket of a start, really slowed down, and, and, and spectators thinking maybe not enough runs, not enough runs, and actually proved how difficult it was to bat out there where, later on in the innings. And I think that will continually crack on throughout the tournament. But, you, you know, again, like I said, nine days rest day for uh, Edgebaston. They should be in peak condition. Um, a little bit. I'm not a bit disappointed with the crowds. I think crowds have been amazing. I think the point that Archer made, and when I, when I was uh, back recently as well, the, the sort of thing that I got was that it hasn't really caught the imagination of the nation as a whole. Whether that's got something to do with the lionesses at the FIFA World Cup, whether that's got to do with Sky TV or Sky Sports or whatever remains to be seen. But to your mind, I mean, it's been it's been a fascinating uh, five weeks thus far. It's going to be a fascinating six weeks and the finale. Um, standouts for you in terms of individuals, uh, in terms of the good, the bad and the ugly as well. Who've been the players that really have caught your eye, the teams that caught your eye, the moments that caught your eye? But equally, who's been the greatest disappointment for you throughout the last few weeks? I mean, just a couple of talking points for me. I think Afghanistan have been a great addition to the tournament. I think they've been brilliant. I think their story is brilliant. I think that, you know, that the, the, the progress they've shown in the short time that they've been on the scene, unlucky to go away without a win from this tournament, but were so close on so many occasions. Greatest disappointment for me. We'll see them a little later on. South Africa as well. I mean, what's happened to South African cricket? Yeah, I mean, two teams are really disappointed for me. I think South Africa haven't almost not shown up to the tournament. I mean, they had some injury problems and then Dale Stane got injured. Obviously, there's an AB controversial sort of situation rumbling on behind the scenes. He wasn't available, but apparently then he said, I'd like to come to the World Cup, and they had a meeting, and obviously that caused issue. A lot of their players spent a lot of time playing in the IPL. But with, with South African sports teams, you always expect them to fight and to sort of give 150% and be, be in the match. They've just not been at the matches, not been at the races, so barely, barely showing up. West Indies have been a disappointment for me. They were my team to make the four semi-finals with, with India, England and Australia. And they've shown some promise at times. They probably should have beaten Australia. They had Australia 50 for five. They couldn't quite get it done. Uh, Colton Isle comes in at batting number eight and scores 90 and gets Australia out of a tough situation. West Indies were so much talent at different times and they just haven't really clicked as a team. I thought they were the team given some of their T20 exploits might have just come to the fore and, and put some upsets here. So for me, those two teams 
have been sort of two of the more disappointing teams and players in those teams have really failed to live up to expectations. Yeah, and I think in individual performances that really stood out for me, you're criminal not to mention Shakib, is just fantastic. I mean, uh, he's just done so well throughout the tournament and really sort of put his hand up and said, you know, I'm going to score runs, I'm going to take wickets and done it quite consistently throughout. Some great thoughts from the boys. Now we want thoughts from you as well. Matt Fortune's also alongside us. I'm not excluding him from uh, the cricket conversation. But by his own admission, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not it's, 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 it's his forte. But have you been, have you been caught by, caught by the... Because again, we, we talk of fortes, we talk of tournaments, and major tournaments like a World Cup. Like, and, it, and it does sort of bring people into a tournament. Is that, is, has this tournament done that or not? I, I've got to be honest, Tom, I kind of stand by what I said earlier that I feel, and, I, and ultimately I'm a fan of, of very long distance sports of all kinds, the Tour de France, Ironman, triathlon, things like that. I just feel that this has not allowed narratives to take shape quick enough and therefore capture the casual observer such as myself. I, am a, I follow cricket, I wouldn't be able to appoint it with, with these two experts, but I do follow it and I am interested. I just find when you're asking people to commit for such a long period of time with not a lot of narrative being joined up through that period, it makes it really difficult to show a passing interest, especially at a summer where there is so much on. I mean, looking around kickers now, there's tennis on one screen, cycling, there's everything is happening at the moment. We haven't even got Premier League or anything to talk about. It's great, so I think you need something to really capture people and, and kind of grab you by the scruff and drag you really quickly across that line to make you interested. Unfortunately for me, while I'll be interested to see who makes it through the semis and finals, I found it quite hard to, to stomach so many games without there being a, a conclusion to any of them. Talking of these semis and the finals, um, they are a couple of days, that, well, they uh, take place next week and then the final uh, next Sunday. So obviously runs still to be scored, wickets still to be taken. How do things look on the standings at the moment? Mark Archer's just scrolling through them for us. Yeah, I just, I just want to talk through some of the top performers that, you know, that we've seen here. Shakib Al-Hassan from Bangladesh, the top run scorer, 606 runs. What, what, what a World Cup he's had, been so consistent in a, in a, not a great batting lineup, let's be honest, but he's really stood head and shoulders above everyone in Bangladesh, but also, you know, scored more runs than anyone in the tournament. Rohit Sharma, four centuries, fantastic, 544 runs. David Warner, and Aaron Finch, the two opening Australian batsmen, 516 runs for Warner, 504 for Finch. So that's you can see where their key is for Australia. Trying to, uh, you know, the good starts that those two batsmen have gone on and batted through innings. And Joe Root for England sort of chipped away there, 500 runs, gone about his business in a pretty sort of typical Joe Root way, un un understated, but gone done the business there. What's interesting looking at, this, at, at the wickets takers is the top five wicket takers in the World Cup are all seamers. There's no spinners there. Mitchell Stark with 24, uh, Mustafa Razman from Bangladesh with 20, Jofra Archer with 17, Lockie Ferguson New Zealand with 17, and Mohamed Amir with Pakistan with 17. So all seamers there uh, have taken the wickets. And I think three left armers, three left arm quicks, Stark, Raymond, and Mohamed Amir, left arm seamers there. So that's an interesting fact there. Uh, for the tournament as that's well. That's weird, so isn't it? Because there have been slow wickets, fundamentally, or certainly towards the last couple of weeks, and, the, 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 and yet it's the seamers taking pace off the ball rather than the slow bowlers being caught up. If anything, the slow bowlers have been hard done by in this tournament. You know, where do you find a place for Moeen Ali, albeit he's not been in great form? Um, uh, Shahal for India as well has been in and out of the team. Sodi for, 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 for New Zealand, in and out of the team. Teams have almost been trying to find a place um, for the slows. Yeah, and no, I think obviously with England bringing in other players to, to get rid of Mo and Ali for, for a short period of time, I think that proves that they've, they've struggled this tournament and they've, teams have opted for a, an extra seamer 
um, that can do a job in the middle overs, uh, second, third change, and, and they've done it quite well, and most of them have kept with that sort of uh, makeup of the team. We are asking you for your thoughts. Text them through to us now, 4001. We'll continue this conversation in just a few moments' time. This is The Grill, broadcasting live from Kickers down here at Dubai Sports City. If you're anywhere near Dubai Sports City, do pop in. There is no excuse, really. School's out. Summer's upon us. Everyone's sort of D-mob happy at the moment. Come on down and join the fun. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill. Live from Kickers Sports Bar, where the game is always on. Final group game for Sri Lanka against India. It's underway. This is what the captains had to say before the game. I think, uh, look, uh, first up, I think it's Sri Lanka. I think there are a few things a few players would want to, you know, achieve personally and as a team as well. We would definitely want to play the best game that we can. But uh, having said that, I think at the back of our mind, we do have uh, the semi-final in our mind. I think that's a big game for us. Uh, for all the four teams that qualify, it's going to be a massive game. So uh, that's at the back of the mind. But having said that, I think we are professional enough to, uh, you know, go out there against Sri Lanka and play a very clinical game. Well, I think India is one of the top teams and they are, they are doing really well. In our case, we, are, we, we can't qualify for the semis, so we are just playing for pride. So the boys realise that and they want, they want to put a good show, they want to do well before they, they go back on the seventh. If they play well, I think they, they've got a good chance to win because cricket's a funny game. I mean, nobody gave us a ghost of a chance to beat England. And everyone, when we come here, you know, no one thinks we, 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 are, we are doing well, you know. We were lost to South Africa and the last year we were lost so many matches. No, nobody gave us a chance. But I think when we come came here, you know, we, we did a couple of you know good things and you know we have talent. Sometimes sometimes we did really well, sometimes we don't. But I'm really happy with my boys and they did really good job. I think uh, there, are, there is scope for improvement in all aspects of our game. Uh, I think uh, we've been playing a good tournament till now, but I'm sure personally each player would have some box to tick and I think we'll all be looking to do that. We beat them uh, in the Champions Trophy. So we are trying to stick to that things and we know they have the best uh, combination. So we have to give our 200% to win against them. Uh, it's hard for me to say, uh, obviously, which team will be a threat. But on any given day, any team can stand up. And that's the beauty of a tournament like a World Cup. Because, you know, once you hit the semi-final mark, it's just that one day. And you've got to make sure you stand up on that day. I think uh, we're really looking forward to it as a team. At the same time, I think we have a game to play in Leeds. We'll do the best that we can tomorrow. You know, obviously, I'm really looking forward. As, as I said, I've been waiting to get this opportunity. So, you know, the motivation is there. The hunger is there. It's about going there and executing. Yes, you know, I didn't exactly go to plan against Bangladesh, but I'm sure, you know, in the games to come that I'll uh, try and put my best foot forward. And we want to end it up with a high note. Uh, it's a tough game against India, but we want to, you know, win that match and end up in the uh, table in the fifth position. Let's get an update from the game itself. Sri Lanka taking on India. Uh, it's up there at Leeds. A sunny Leeds today as well. Let's get the latest, Mark Archer. Yeah, big match for India. If they win, they have a chance of finishing first in the pool stages and it means that they will take on New Zealand in the semi-final. Should they finish second, they are likely to play England in the semi-final during the week. And that will be a cracking match if India do end up taking on England. Uh, Sri Lanka are batting first. They won the toss 144 for four after 33 of their 50 overs. Great partnership between Andrew Matthews, who's 50 not out, and Lahiri Thiraman, who is 39 not out. Partnership of 89 runs between those two. So 17 overs remaining. Sri Lanka, 144 for four. 
good recovery from them as well because they looked to be in a spot of other early doors. Yeah, they were struggling 54, 55 for four after 10 overs, so they were really battling there. But but Angelo Matthews, very experienced campaign. He's played over 200, and this is 212 ODI, and Thiraman also has played 123 ODI. So two experienced players coming together in the Sri Lankan middle order, showing the young guns what to do, how to bat through and build an innings and build a partnership and get back into the match. But they'll want to score probably up up around 250, 260 to try and be, give themselves something to bowl at in this match. So it's still got plenty at stake here. India, I'm sure, would rather finish first and take on New Zealand rather than England. So big match for India, plenty at stake for them to play for this afternoon. Even though that semi-final is a couple of days before the England semi-final as well, they'd be backing up on Tuesday. I suppose that's enough days, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're an English, English cricketer, uh, uh, Indian cricketer or Australian cricketer, you want to be taking on the Black Caps in that semi-final. Uh, we will talk more about the ICC Cricket World Cup, but I just want to address all things local cricket as well. Why? Because we've got Sam Chanley with us here at the moment. Uh, he's the brains behind It's Just Cricket, who've had another phenomenal season uh, that has just come... Uh, I say season. I mean, is, is there su such a thing as a season? Because you're pretty much playing cricket all year round, aren't you? Yeah, no. When, when I first moved here 11 years ago, um, cricket was a third-term school sport. Yeah. Um, it's now 38 weeks, um, our longest ever season, and it runs all the way through, it, it really does. So um, with Ramadan falling in the middle of one of the terms, it's made things slightly difficult, but um, all of the academies have, have, have looked to change the way that they conduct their sessions through that time. So it's been a fantastic season um, and really good to keep a bit of continuity throughout the sessions. You mentioned there all of the academies. We're going to be talking uh, local rugby uh, in just a few moments' time with Sean Carey here uh, on the show. Uh, in terms of the academies, there are, there are plenty out there at the moment. How's this term been in terms, or the last year been in terms of sort of speaking amongst them? Because that was one of the things that we addressed this time last year, that there's not enough games inter-academy inter at the moment, one academy playing against the others. Yeah, I think Andy Russell from Emirates Cricket Board, Head of Development, has really tried to pull uh, especially the 18s, 15s and, and 13s leagues together. So there's now an actual structured league for, for the juniors to play. Um, and I think that's starting to show with uh, the success the under-19s, the UAE under-19s have had qualifying for the World Cup. Um, and, and, and they've changed already, they've changed next season's age groups in, in terms of the tournament to accommodate for those lads so they make sure they're playing all year round before the, before the World Cup in, in January. So um, I think it's taken a big step forward. Everybody's starting to play more games. And I think for one of the, the sort of standout things for me is everybody's working together a little bit more rather yeah. than being so competitive in terms of who's got what kid and, and where he is. As long as all the kids are playing and making sure that they're competing at a, a decent level, I think that's the, the key for everybody. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Dubai Sports City. Just a stone throw away, I should say, a cricket ball throw away from some of the best facilities in the world. Facilities you know well, Sam Charnley. Uh, let's talk facilities as well. 2018-2019, are there... Are there enough facilities out there, enough tracks, enough nets for people to be playing in, or do we still need more? I think we still need um, some more grounds. Um, nets, I think there's quite a bit available um, throughout the UAE, um, but could always do with more. But I think schools are looking to put nets in. I know new schools, new builds, we've been sort of spoken to about some advice on how to build nets and the, 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 the objectives to building nets and, and bringing kids into the school to use those nets. So um, I think there's been four or five new grounds released this year that have, have really come into the market and, and spread that load. Um, but you've got a lot of cricket being played here. So I think the more, the better. 
Um, what about your mob as well? It's just cricket. Uh, obviously, making a mark here. You've got uh, great courses that you've been running throughout the year. But also heading out and, and sort of spreading your wings as well. Summer tour, is that something that's happening? Yeah, so we run a summer tour this year. So we've got two tours going this year. One, one to the UK. They're staying in uh, London. They've just been at the game yesterday, the World Cup. So they enjoyed themselves yesterday. <laughs> Not like tours I used to go on, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and they're staying at a, a Reed School, Nos uh, private school in the UK competing with Rajasthan Royals UK Academy um, which will be a great experience for them and then we've also got an India tour which is a three week tour more around um, skills and, and training as opposed to games and competition so sort of tailoring for both markets um, and already looking for next year's tours and, and where to go and, and what to sort of put together for the kids. One thing that you uh, Brad and the rest of the team it's just have done well is partnerships and relationships with franchises around the world. Sydney Sixers obviously is something that uh, you should be very, very proud of and that's sort of borne out dividends uh, for you and your students. Is that something we can see more of, do you think, moving forward, especially given the fact what 1990, well, the 2019-2020 season will see the start of the Expo as well? Yeah, no, I think for sure. I mean, our relationship with Sydney Thunder has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Sixers, where did that come from? <laughs> Who are the Sixers? <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. No, they have two teams in Sydney. Oh, they are two teams. And the second there. team okay. is the Sixers. Oh, it's the Thunder. The Thunder. So the, so the Thunder's the better team of the two, is that right? It certainly is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. No. So our, our relationship with those guys have been absolutely brilliant. Um, Chris Green, um, he's been on the radio down here as well with you guys. Um, Shane Watson, they've been down to see the lads, they keep an eye on what's going on. Um, we're now looking to build on that relationship, so what does that actually mean? So players that are getting to 16, 17, can they go and study in Australia and can, is there any scholarships available? That door has been opened now. And, and what um, services can we use from the Australian cricket scene? Tours is opened up quite heavily and also them with a bit of coach education piece uh, and developing the coaches in the region, which has been fantastic for the kids. Thunder. Remember that one, all right? You lock and me. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.